0: This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction in counseling. We report on the biblical counseling movement around the world. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers. Today, what I wanna do is highlight churches that support biblical counseling training worldwide. Earlier this year, I was able to catch up with my friend, Pastor Brad Bigney, at a conference in Seattle to discuss our shared interest in coffee and also why Brad and his church support the ministry of OIC. So one of the things you and I have in common, certainly, is a love for coffee.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, Talk to yes. me, man. I'm about... hoping it's not on the level of idolatry, but <laughs> it is, let's, let's call it a serious interest. Yeah. It, you know, serious. there's a book about that. I think it's called Gospel yeah. Treason. Have you yeah. heard of that? Yeah. I'm trying to walk a fine line here. <laughs> but yeah, I travel with a, a little grinder. I travel with an AeroPress. Do you, Do you know okay. AeroPress? Yeah. Oh, it's the way to go. <laughs> All I need is hot water. Yeah. You know, I'm drinking no... Say goodbye to bad coffee at the hotel. You know, I take the little sad machine that's in my room that has those little packets and yeah. just ignore the packets. Yeah. And I've got my beans right now. I've got some Ethiopian Sean tea that I bought in, in California. And then I've got some kind of Honduras. There's a, there's a co- company called Spy House Coffee in Minneapolis. And I, oh, order, okay. I order beans five pounds at a time from them. Yeah. And, oh, they've got good stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I awesome. like, what, what about you? I'm the lighter end, so I like a fruity, citrusy fruit okay. finish. I don't want it to taste like dirt. I don't like Sumatra and some of those oh, other okay. things.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be over a little more in that end. Okay. Dark roast. Yeah. It bold. Bites yeah. back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's going to bite me when I sip it. It's going to bite me when it goes I mean, down. I mean, I want to taste it. Yeah. So when it tells me this should taste a little bit like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. If I use an AeroPress, it does. Yeah, you get all those it flavors does. out when of it. When you use yeah. a typical coffee maker, it just tastes like nothing.
0: Yeah. Um, That's awesome.
1: But my journey went from sad coffee maker to French press. Because when I was new to coffee, I only started drinking coffee when I was 50. Okay. So I'm only eight years into this, but I am really... I had. I had... To make up for time. You sound like a guy getting into golf. Yeah. Yeah, well, I started golfing when like, I was 50. Dad, whatever you do, you just do it over the top. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> why not? And uh, But this woman at church who roasts, her and her husband have okay. a ro- roast on the side for extra money, and she's like, I said, oh, I love a- uh, French press. I was talking to her at church, like, mm-hmm, and so do I. But you can't do that every day. And I'm like, you can't. And she's like, oh, you'll find out. And I mean, in like three weeks, <laughs> I started burping up fire, you know. It's just very acidic. A yeah. French press is... And so I'm like, oh, there's what she was talking about. Okay. So I found that the Aeropress gives me just as much flavor as a French press, mm-hmm. but I don't have the acidic burping up fire <laughs> especially when you're traveling which i was happy to get rid of uh, the burping up fire thing that sure was, that's that's not the enjoyable that was fun experience for a day. that's right <laughs> it, it was a nice handy if i'm you know in the hobbit lord of the rings something but <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice phenomenon but yeah we don't need that every well, on day, a regular basis nah. <laughs> well
0: um on a more serious note <laughs> we're talking a little bit about biblical counseling and especially biblical counseling in the church yeah and you you planted the church uh, Grace Fellowship there in uh, Kentucky, and you started that in 1996, right? Yep.
1: So I I went there in view of a call, October 95, moved there December 95, but first technical day on the job, January 1, 1996, and this was 35 adults that had already met for 18 months. Mm. They just didn't have a pastor. And so it was just sweet, because I was at this point where I'd grown up in the church, and I'd already been on staff of a good Bible teaching church for 10 years and that's long enough to start to say, not in a wrong way, but in a solidifying, what do I think, I would do things a little differently. Yeah. And that's why I chose to plant. And, I th- I, and the main, one of the main things was, I had a, a group of four things I was looking for that, I'll, that I won't talk about all of them, but one of them was biblical counseling. And I don't mean just biblical counseling on the side as this appendage, yeah, let's do that. Let's Mm -hmm. have one counselor that counsels trouble people. I meant, what if biblical counseling was right? The picture I like is, it's the hub and every other ministry is a spoke. So children's ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, everything, student ministry and preaching has the same tone and DNA of the Bible changes lives. Mm -hmm. How would you make the Bible practical don't just circle verbs and don't just ex- exegete the passage. How would you apply it to life? And the goal is not just information, transformation. Mm-hmm. And that was my mindset when I showed up.
0: So that affected, obviously, that drove everything that you did from the very beginning. Yeah.
1: And you never wavered from that. Nope. And the other thing that I'd learned, you know, if you if you're part of the church any length of time, you'll see this in a hurry. I recognized... There's not enough people doing the most important things. And so I said to myself, enough of this, you're great at it, and you're going to kill yourself do it, doing it, but no one else knows how to do this. I thought, I'm going to be an equipper. I'm going to be an equipper, I'm going to be an equipper, and that's easy to say and hard to do, because good luck on finding someone who wants to be equipped, because everybody's so busy. But I would beat the bushes. You know, For eight years we had no building, so this is my house. Hello, Grace Fellowship. Yeah, That's the phone in the basement. I'm counseling in the basement. But I would get a deacon to come sit in with me. I'd get an elder to come sit in with me. I'd get a volunteer. I was the only one on staff, but we had volunteers working with the youth. I'd get them to come sit in with me. And I don't mean one session. I mean, I'm starting a new case. Come sit in and watch what I'm doing because I want to show you how to do it. And I just kept plugging away. And then when I learned uh, through a flyer in the mail that... You know, there I am, northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, that, oh, there's this place in Lafayette, Indiana, that's three hours north of me and does a week-long conference. I started taking people. I took three people the first year. Then I did eight. Then I did 15, 25, 30, 35, 50. You know, as the church grew, I just took bigger and bigger and bigger groups. Mm-hmm. And it just... They would go home so excited. And it just... And then, since I was the lead guy, I'd preach it. I would... What I... Could, it wasn't like there was a whole you-must-do-biblical-counseling sermon. I call it dripping it. And I actually think that's more effective. You just keep dripping it. Where you see it in the text, it's not the whole sermon, but you drip it. And see, you pointed out, like, look, this is why you should know how to help a real person with a real problem using your Bible. And it, it's not perfect, but I'm 25 years in now. We've got a staff of almost 40. We have three campuses. But I... I got lots of people doing biblical counseling.
0: Yeah, what does training look like at Grace?
1: Yeah, so for Grace, we try to make, and that's the other thing that I'd like people to think, if you want to see this happen, see if you can put in place as many on-ramps as possible. Don't let there be just one way. And so, regularly we'll offer a class, we're gonna go through the exams, the the ACBC exams, and some people just treat it and that's fine. Ah, huh, I like theology, Let. I'll, but some people grab hold of it and they move forward. Then we do a fall training conference every year, counseling and discipleship training. Always go through the fundamentals, but then offer something advanced, you know, mental illness or uh, adult children living in your basement or aging parents, you know, Mm -hmm. what are the issues that people are struggling with? And so we do that every year. Uh, The other thing that we do is, not just me, but a number of our counselors that have been doing it a while, it's like, sit in. When I when I get back from this conference, I'll be starting a new case. And so I already notified the counseling ministry, give me a new case and find me an observer. Mm-hmm. And typically that's just somebody who's already been through the conference, but they haven't counseled yet. So I've got a couple right now with this case, and it's been great. There they sit, husband and wife, watching me meet with this other husband and wife from the beginning to the end. They, they arrive 15 minutes early, ask questions. They stay a little late, ask questions. I give them everything I'm giving my couple that I need to help. And that's some, that is so helpful to people to see it. So we do that. And then Mark Shaw is our director of counseling now for, I think, three years. He started something called C3, uh, Coffee Conversation and Counseling. Just an easier, you know, because so many Christians are like, oh, I'm no counselor. Great. How about a conversation? Ah, we're We're sneaky. Yeah, because so often that's what counseling is. People don't realize you are a counselor. You're counseling all the time. The question is, are you a good one? Are you biblical? He had a tremendous response to just come to the church cafe upstairs. It's a really cool, fun area with lots of nice groups of chairs and tables. And they do it in pairs. And just people who are like, I think I need help, but they haven't really filled out paperwork yet. And he just pairs them up. And he's also able to identify certain people that, all right, you would really be a good counselor. And other people, not so much, but a conversation, they're still helping someone. So just a number of different things that we try to, and now Mark has, oh man, he's rolled out all kinds of video series and training that he's got online. So don't have just one way. See if you can create a lot of different on-ramps to get people exposed to this.
0: Yeah, you've been committed, I mean, from the beginning, that biblical counseling, yeah. one, is not an autonomous ministry. Right. Doesn't set, It's not just off here, off the side. No. Divorced from discipleship, divorced yeah. from the ministry of the church. Yeah. And and so ultimately it entwines everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And I know that shows up uh, in the, I mean, with every ministry. I mean, there you have a requirement, don't you?
1: Yeah. So I, the the tech guy got a grace card but everybody on staff i require them within two years of being on staff at grace fellowship you need to get acbc certification so our worship leader is acbc certified Mm -hmm. my missions director is acbc certified my director of operations is acbc certified and oh it's so helpful because stuff is happening in missions there is conflict there's marital problems there's all kinds of and stuff happens in worship and You'll love this, or I think you will. I did. Not everybody is thrilled that I require this. And so my worship guy, he, he was having lunch with me one day, and he was, I think he was finishing up his 50 hours of certification. So he'd already passed his exams, and he was very near the end. And so he decided to be honest. And he's like, his name's Brad, too. But he's like, Brad, i got to tell you, I was not happy about this requirement. But, he says, but, this has changed how I put together Sunday morning worship. Hmm. He said sitting with real people at close range doing counseling has just changed how I think. When I'm putting together songs and scripture reading, what we're doing, I've got real people in mind. When you're not doing counseling, when you're not, I call it in the trenches with real people, Hmm. you really don't know where people are. And uh, it can be a shock sometimes, but it also adjusts that's why even though the church is large now, I could play that lead pastor trump card, oh, I'm so busy, I have some meetings, I can't counsel anymore. I think it would change my preaching. And so I've reduced the amount of counseling, but I have not eliminated counseling from my schedule because I think it informs and shapes and feeds the way I preach.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. you, you again, you, the implications on worship and then the implications on preaching. Speak yeah. a little bit more about that. On the preaching? Yeah, just on the preaching
1: side. I, oh man, anyone that knows me knows I am your typical lead pastor. I love to preach. I love to prep to preach. Mm -hmm. I love Wednesdays when I've got my two screens, I've got two big screens, and I've got the original language on one, and I've got parallel Bible translations on the other, and I just click a word, and I've got a commentary, and I can do a word study, and I'm like a kid in a candy shop, shop, but... As much as I love that, I wish more lead guys understood if you are just holed up in your office and, oh, I do verse by verse preaching and so it takes all my time, you're, you're missing. Commentaries are great, word studies are great, but being with real people at close range, flat-footed, because when you preach and prep, it's not as, it's not as demanding, sorry. You get to say what you meant to say and very few settings will someone cry out and say, I disagree. Right. Every now and then and it's super awkward and usually security ex- you know, ushers them out of the room. But in counseling, it happens all the time. You have prepped a little agenda and I hold it loosely and you do not know what you'll get that week. There are surprises left and right and it really causes you to handle the scriptures in a different kind of way. It's me and the Holy Spirit and this person, and I'm asking good questions. It's very different, I love it, but it's complimentary to preaching. One of the number one pushbacks I get from my observers, and it's typical, is when the people leave, they're like, Pastor Brad, why didn't you just say? Why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you? Because as your counsel, you let a lot of things go. You gotta pick and choose, and then you don't just say. You ask questions. And so I'm constantly telling them, this is not preaching. This is counseling and so it takes longer sometimes you have to ask five questions to lead them around the barn to the spot that you could have just said look at that i think you're selfish but when you do that people bow up and they get defensive and so it's just complimentary i i think every lead pastor would benefit from counseling mm-hmm. even if it's just one case just, talk, just make time for one case and say god give me this added skill of close range handling of scriptures to help a real person with a real problem, I think it would enhance your preaching and mm-hmm. teaching.
0: So, that's the implications, two things worship and preaching. So, let's transition. Let's talk a little bit about missions. Yeah. So, how, do, how does this, I mean, in your church, it certainly has impacted, again, it infiltrates everything yeah. and entwides, entwines all that you do. Yeah. So, talk so to me a little bit about missions.
1: Yeah. So since we were a new church, it it just happened organically. If this is kind of who we are, then it's no surprise. We have a few missionaries that, you know, know, someone's aunt knew them, and as we interviewed, it's like, yeah, this is a good fit. But in general, the missionaries we have are homegrown. Mm -hmm. They were at Grace Fellowship, and they were working at XYZ Factory or whatever, and then began to... But what is so cool, I'm trying to think... Yeah, I think in every case, they were already leading a small group or beginning to do counseling. Those are in the trenches kind of ministries that a missionary needs. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not, most missionaries don't realize you are not going to get over there and set up a pulpit and do tons of preaching sermons. You need to know how to have a conversation, how to ask questions over coffee, how to have a small Bible study and, and real life on life. And so, if you're doing that kind of stuff in your local church, you're really getting ready for good missions, and so as we've sent, I'm thinking the couple we have in Albania, the couple in Romania, the couple in Czech Republic, and what we've done in Japan, are all people that went from our church, and the bulk of what they're doing has to do with equipping nationals to know how to do counseling, and when I say that, it's not like, oh, that's nice, I'm glad you could add that little piece, it's, to me, counseling is is intense discipleship, So nobody would fight you on, do you think we should be discipling uh, people in that country? Oh, yeah. Do you think we should do do counseling? Well, I I don't know if you have to take it to that level. I see counseling as it is discipleship. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to disciple somebody, and then every now and then you have someone that is really stuck. Their boat is upside down in an eddy, just swirling, not moving forward. And the average believer then doesn't know what to do. As soon as they can't just walk with me through 12 chapters of a discipleship book, They don't know what to do. Well, you better know what to do because our world's really broken. And Mm -hmm. so then you begin to do intense discipleship. How do you draw them out? How do you build involvement? How do you help them trust you enough to really open up? Mm -hmm. How do you get to the sin beneath the sin, not just what's the sin? Anger? Here's a do not get angry verse. Let me, yeah, stop it. That's not biblical counseling. So anyone listening, if you think that's what we're talking about, no. How do you... How do you discern and ask questions to get below the surface? What is feeding that anger? What are they wanting? What are they believing? What are they prizing? What are they treasuring? And it's the essence of just good, healthy relationships. And we've seen it bear tremendous fruit. I mean, we certainly have a couple that spent 30 years now translating the Bible into the Tommy language. Very needed. Mm -hmm. We've got a few other things going on, but the bulk of our missions is biblical counseling, intense discipleship, helping nationals, because this is the, believe it or not, I hope this doesn't crush some of our listeners, they are exhausted by our puppet teams, and our dance teams, and our, you know, as we come over, it's more work for them to host you, and think of all these things for you to do out in the public square, and it doesn't bear that much fruit, they could do it better, but if you could come and say, hey, We would love to help you know how to train your elders and deacons and godly men and women how to help a real people person with a real problem, they would say, Oh my goodness, please, could you do that? Please help us.
0: Yeah, and I like part of what you said in the sense that when you're sending out the missionaries, your church and and the way you approach ministry and the fact that the counseling's not autonomous, it entwines everything that you're doing. The normal Church life, normal church ministry is preparing people yeah. to be missionaries yeah. in other parts of the world. So yeah. there wasn't like here's the missionary track. Right. Or here's the separate class That's you need right. to do or a one-week boot camp on yeah. how to be a missionary. Yeah. No, it's part and parcel. It's a natural outflow right. of what we believe church is. So the heart
1: and soul of what they would need, the skills are already happening that I hope all of our people, they're using it in their neighborhoods, on the job site granted they would they would still greatly benefit from what mission boards do with you know helping you acclimate to a different culture mm-hmm. and what are the cultural mm-hmm. things you need to be aware of and there's certainly a place for all that but the very heart and soul of what is the heart you should have already learned that in a good local church that believes in bible teaching and intense discipleship you just relocate from american neighborhood backyard job site to I live in Indonesia or I live, but what are the cultural things I need to be aware of?
0: And you guys, I've also seen the natural outflow. You uh, recognize that, Hey, this training is really important. Yeah. This equipping is really important. Uh, living this out in your church is really important. <clears throat> so we want to be a part, the natural outflow of what we're doing yeah. is we want to export this yeah. uh, because we know there's a lot of junk that gets exported often. Yeah. So you want to export the training. You want to strengthen churches. So at some mm-hmm. point, you guys decided, hey, we're going to get involved in this. You guys yeah. became partners with OIC. Yes. Just, I mean, how did how did it lead into that?
1: Well, you know, uh, we do recognize that we do believe Jesus is all about the local church. But we, we are huge fans of understanding we don't have to do it all. We are happy to partner with someone who's doing it well. But I love ministries that they may not be... So sometimes a parachurch organization can get a bad rap. I know there's parachurches that they don't give a rip about the local church. And mm-hmm. that's that's given, many local pastors have a bad thought. And I get it, it was earned. But every parachurch isn't like that. That there are parachurch ministries that were birthed out of the recognition that the local church does matter, but cannot be great at everything because the pastor is just so busy doing the basic stuff. And so we just saw OIC as one of those like, oh my goodness, we can't reduplicate this, but they you guys have thought it through. What I mean, not just like mom and pop, dopey dopey dope kind of training. This is academically rigorous, sound, accredited. It would take us a lot to, to have put together what you guys did. But you weren't trying to think about all the things we have to think about as a local church. You just took this one piece and so that's what we try to do. We try to partner with ministries that, all right they've thought about this way more than us they're they're waking i like to call it they wake up every day thinking about this yeah i wake up every day thinking about dozens of things they wake up every day thinking about this i'll partner with them and uh push money in that direction and learn from them and so you guys are one of those i'm like it's been a thrill to watch it grow so i met wayne I mean, in the, it was either year one or year, year two, and, and as, as a friend of mine introduced me to him at a, at a Nank conference prior to ACBC, I walked, well think, walked away thinking, wow, that's kind of cool. Uh, that, and I really didn't think that was going to take off like this. Uh, but I lived overseas, so I don't know if you know that. So I lived in Spain for two years, so I actually have quite a heart for understanding there are other countries that desperately need this. And so I've been thrilled i I'm a fan. I read the newsletter, the whole thing. I look at all the pictures. I check out which countries you guys are at, and I pray, and uh, it's just been exciting to see the the pictures get bigger and bigger. The groups get bigger and bigger. The number of countries just keep expanding. The itinerary is exhausting. I'm sitting in my chair praying through the itinerary of where you were going, and I'm thinking, They're actually going. I'm just praying through the list of cities and dates, and I feel tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: so one of the things, I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. I mean, it's somewhat of a discouragement that um, a lot of people, a lot of our colleagues, um, recognize how important this training is, recognize (laughs) just how vital it is to the church, but see the, the idea of exporting it, the idea of being involved with it uh, in missions, yeah. is somewhat of a, a luxury. Like if, uh. if we have the time for it, yeah. if it fits or something like that. Um, I, I mean, I have a bent, now part of it is because it's certainly where we're at and mm-hmm. I want to be careful, I'm not superimposing my bent right, right. on others, but I, I've always thought though, that we need to be involved at some level. Yeah. And, it, and if we have the privilege, you know, I, I recognized early on in my pastoral career that I had this wonderful privilege of being in a church that believed in the sufficiency of Scripture mm-hmm. and lived that out in everyday life. Yeah. And I had the privilege of access to training yeah. and being equipped and being just not necessarily an expert on the issues, but at least mm-hmm. competent. Yeah. That when those issues, I was faced with those issues, I didn't run away. Yeah. Uh, didn't always know how to handle them, yeah. um, but but I knew where I could turn and learn and yeah. so on and so forth, and and I've so I've seen this as a very much a stewardship mm-hmm. that well I've been we've been given all these things and yeah. there's a number of churches yeah. that are of the same faith of the same God of yeah. the same Lord and mm-hmm. of the same Spirit they are our family yeah. in the Lord and uh, it seems as if there's a responsibility on my part. Yeah to be involved at least some level Mm -hmm. at strengthening them in this area. Yeah. Um,
1: Well, I can't help but think, I don't know for sure, Andrew, but I suspect if you poked that I'm sitting here, and as soon as I became aware of you guys, I was like, well, yeah, but it's because we were already that church doing mm -hmm. it in America. I think, unless you know otherwise the data, What you're bumping up against, if a church is not already thinking this way here, Hmm. if they think counseling is okay, but it's optional, it's not essential, they're certainly going to look at OIC and say, well, yeah, I mean, church planting, Bible translation, and if we ever have some extra money to throw, yeah, this whole biblical counseling thing overseas would be cool. I think that might be what you're bumping up against. A church like Grace Fellowship is not going to think that way because we've seen, I mean, it's like people will say to me brad what did you do to grow what was your outreach what was it we didn't do you know the alternative fall festival throw the beanbag in the well's mouth instead of doing halloween and all that. we didn't give away a chrysler or a color tv you know what i mean we just did biblical counseling and guess what people were equipped and and so this whole piece fits into evangelism beautifully when someone gets equipped and their life has been changed by being helped by the Bible they're much more willing and enthusiastic to speak up about Jesus and God's word and the gospel and then they always think oh my goodness there's hope for you we had that same kind of marriage I would have people calling me saying Pastor Brad but here's what I loved because I preached it all the time do not bring them to me and say fix them well, I met this woman at the mall and we had a great conversation and I, I told her she should call you don't do that. Mm -hmm. You meet with her, and I'll help you know how to meet with her. Oh, my goodness, I did this over and over and over. Someone would say, my hairdresser's husband just committed adultery, and she's so open to, uh," and and, and they knew. So will you meet with her if I come? I'm like, I will, Peggy. And so Peggy sat there and watched me meet with her hairdresser, and she came to faith in Christ, and Mm -hmm. we just do this over and over. And it ties in evangelism and biblical counseling, helping real people with real problems. Because some of the criticism with our world from our world is justified. Mm. They say, you guys preach a big God on Sunday and sing these big God songs, but Monday through Saturday with real problems, you really don't have answers. I would not think of you as the place to go get help. But when word gets out, that local church knows how to address the messy, real stuff. Uh credibility goes up, and lost people actually come asking for help, and when they get saved, they actually know a bunch of other lost people that are, that are broken, and this thing just takes off.
0: Yeah, so in closing, thinking through, uh, how would you encourage, as we think about some of our colleagues, some of, you know pastors and teachers that are here in the states that do believe it, that are, are even are equipping their people, and okay. so on and so forth, now, how would you encourage them to expand to to export
1: what they're doing yeah. to countries and, uh, that yeah. are not the United States? I would just I would just push them. Sometimes it may be it, we can all be guilty of it. I just hadn't had a new thought, and and it is different to think what missions and counseling. Yeah. So it may be that they just and uh, probably one of the best things to do. it, I would just say, go see some of it. You know. Jump in and go see, uh, but maybe first just begin with with pausing and think this through. Because you're asking me, we've got brothers who have a local church in America that already have bought in and are on board with how this is critical. Just sit and think. Local church is local church. Lead pastor is lead pastor. Those guys in other countries are just as overwhelmed as you were when you had no idea what to do with a person that had all these problems, but you were preaching the gospel. And as your church began to change and move towards, did you not reach more lost people? And it, was it not more effective in engaging the community? Overseas is no different. Like this would be a great way to do missions, a top way, not just you know, one of a dozen ways. This would be one of my first, first ways to think of doing this mm. effectively.
0: That's great. Well, it's certainly, every time I think about it, I think, well, this is a really good use of time. This is a really good use of my time to be able to just be used of God to have that privilege to Uh be able to go over and and help another pastor, another brother in the Lord. That's right. I mean, despite, you know, it's one of the things, I guess, even when I travel, I get a little angry about the effects of sin, you know, because part of that's language barrier. Yeah. And I'd really like to be able to talk with them much more clearly and clearly. Cursing but. babble. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and that makes me look forward long for heaven. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's amazing even despite the language barrier, the intimacy that yeah. exists because of the bond of the spirit. Mm. And, and then being able to just be brothers in arms yeah. uh, and to be able to come alongside them and help them strengthen their yeah. church. And so, uh, well, man, Brad, appreciate everything you do. I appreciate your ministry. I've, um, uh, man, I, I can't remember how long ago I was introduced to you, and I've followed everything that's been going on there at Grace for a number of years and just been very encouraged by what God has done. Yeah. Appreciate your leadership um, and certainly appreciate, again, just the fact that you recognize. Missions and biblical counseling as being yeah. very important and not just uh, something, I think what you said earlier about even just counseling as an appendage. Yeah. But it's not an appendage. I mean, yeah. it, it should just really be a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and let's, as churches, let's step up and help others and be a part of that. And yeah. So I'm just, I'm grateful for you guys, grateful for the partnership and grateful for your good. friendship. So
1: thanks for the time. Thank you, Andrew. Keep up the good work. This is BC
0: Worldwide podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. You can learn more about the biblical counseling movement around the world at bcworldwide.org. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of OIC, go to our website, discoveroic.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to receive regular updates on God's grace through biblical counseling, please sign up to be an OIC insider by clicking the pray button on our website. Lastly, will you consider giving? giving to the efforts of OIC to train biblical counseling trainers around the world? If so, you can give electronically through our website by clicking the Give button. Well, I'll share with you more about God's grace next time at BC Worldwide.